0: So, if you've read at all the Lambs Pen newsletter we sent out a couple days ago, or if you grab a hard copy today and read it, and if you read my article, there's a question I ask in there, and I'm going to ask it today, too, because you don't get a lot of feedback on an article you write right away, and it's kind of fun to get an instant feedback on it. So, I'm curious, um, do, who here actually does a New Year's, like, New Year's resolutions? Isn't that funny? Like, you hear, there's all this talk about New Year's resolutions, and then, like, when you ask it, like, who really actually does them? I don't know. Although, I will say this. I did not think I was a New Year's resolution person. Like, I don't put it in those terms. I don't say this is my resolution, right? But I do... I do each year think, like, okay, in 2024, like, I do want to do this different, or I want to do this better. I do sometimes see it kind of as, like, an unofficial start to something new. So, I realize, like, maybe I am a, like, an unofficial New Year's resolution person. Does does anybody resonate with that? Does anyone have anything new you are wanting to maybe try or do? Okay. So, we, we do have that some. Maybe we don't call it New Year's resolutions. And maybe you have big hopes for the year ahead, or maybe you have some dreams. Like, maybe you do. Like, it is... There is something to, like in a way, like it is just another day. And at the same time, like God's word has all these different points throughout. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, the Jewish calendar was full of days that marked events, either looking back or marking something forward. Like it it is something, there's something to having a day that we mark kind of a a new beginning. And so maybe you've got something that you're looking forward to, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't. Either way, this lesson today is going to help us, embrace the year ahead. It's going to help us embrace whatever it is, whether it's something that you're hoping for, that you're wanting to have happen, or whether it's just simply, okay, what's, what's going to happen in the year ahead? However, we, however you're looking at this year, this lesson is going to help you step forward into it, because this lesson is going to help us see and embrace the road before you. The lesson we have, it's James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins." Now with our lesson, it's part of this letter that was written by a leader in the early church named James, or actually, it's interesting. I don't know why um, our English translations translate James. It's actually the name Jacob, interestingly enough. So it's really a guy named Jacob, and he's likely, uh, there's some J- different Jacobs, James that were leaders in early church. He's likely the brother of Jesus, uh, who became eventually a leader in the early church. And as he writes this book, It's actually, it's really a book about wisdom. And I say actually because normally when we think about wisdom in God's word, we think of the Proverbs and we think of Solomon and that book being so full of wisdom. But early on in James, he talks about if you lack wisdom, ask for it. And then he goes on and talks about living wisely. And wisdom, biblically, is really how do you live in a way that fits with God's design? God designed life to work well to work a certain way. And so living wisely is living in a way that, that fits with God's design. And so James writes encouraging people to live wisely, to live well. Some of what he writes, though, is kind of abrupt, and it's because he's calling out people for not living wisely, especially as they live with regards to other Christians. Especially as you live out your faith with other Christians, we, sh- we should be living well that we should be living according to God's design. And so sometimes he calls it out pretty abruptly, which is maybe part of why over time, uh, especially, and I know in the Lutheran church, I don't know about in other churches necessarily, but sometimes James has gotten a bad rap because it talks so much about our lives and, and it, it reveals so much of how we fall short. You know, people talk about how it's really law heavy and, and because we're still kind of, recovering from what happened with the Middle Ages church where it was so law heavy. Sometimes we're like hesitant to talk about God's law, uh, which we don't have to be. Because God's law, when you remember, well, first of all, it serves a purpose. It does. When God's law does call us out, it's always meant to lead us to the cross. It's never meant to just beat us up with guilt and shame. It's always meant meant to lead us to the cross of Jesus so we can be reminded that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed, that we are right with God. But then also, when we remember that God's law is about wisdom, about living wisely, we can see it as an opportunity. It's an invitation. James here is not, it's meant not meant to just like clobber us over the head, with like, okay, this is what all you're supposed to do with this or not do that. It's like, God designed life to work well. And we all want to live well. Wisdom is something we all long for. Wisdom shows up back in Genesis. When Eve looked at the tree of knowledge of good and evil and saw that it looked good for food, pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom. We all want it. So this book is actually putting something before us that we want. When it makes us realize that we've fallen short, go back to the cross, remember you're forgiven, and then embrace the wisdom it offers to you again and step forward into it. And that's what we're going to do today is we're going to really embrace the wisdom that is given to us here in the book of James and embrace it as it gives us insight to the road before you. Our lesson when it gets started, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, and carry on business and make money. Now, as it addresses people who say, Okay, we're going to spend a year or to go somewhere, to do this today or tomorrow, I'll spend a year there, it might seem like James is saying planning for anything is a bad idea and it's sinful. And just want to make that clear, that is not what James is saying. And if you're like, well, how, how do you know? Well, the Bible is full of planning that people make. The Apostle Paul, for instance, will, say, will send in his letters and say, I'm planning to come and see you. I am planning. He's, he has a ministry strategy. Like, I'm planning to go over here. Now, as he makes those plans, sometimes those plans get redirected, or he will say, I've been longing, I've been wanting to come and see you, but I was hindered, and I wasn't able to do it. And so he holds those plans loosely, but we regularly see people making plans. David made plans for the temple. Solomon built the temple. It's all over the Bible. So making plans is not bad. So then what is James, what is James calling out here? We're going to keep going with the lesson and to pay close attention to some details and kind of see what's at the heart of his, of his concern. So he goes on, he says, as he address helps us think about the road before you, who says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So as you think about what, what he lays before us here, he describes our life as like a mist. And I think of, you know, be a mist or maybe like we've had, I was out of town this last week visiting family. Has it been foggy here the last couple days? Yeah, it was really foggy up where I was a couple hours north yesterday at my dad's house, really foggy. And then eventually, hopefully the sun comes out and kind of burns it off. Right. So it's there and then it's gone. And so there's like a very temporary aspect to life. And I was I was really reminded of this. It kind of hit me personally um, a few like about, well, some month ago now. Man, December flies fast. So I was out. Uh, I was out deer hunting. And my younger brother has just inherited our original family farm. That was first in our family in the 1880s. And just there's so much history there. I mean, he's the fifth generation to live on the farm. It's really cool. And uh, as I was sitting out on that property hunting, I was thinking about how, yeah, I'd always thought of that land as being my, my Uncle Dan's land. But we had been talking a lot about how before my Uncle Dan had it, my grandpa had it. And before my grandpa, my great grandpa had it. And before my great, you know, so on. Right. And I realized my uncle Dan, while I thought of it as his land, he really only had it for a while. Someone had it before him. Right. And then someone had it before my grandpa and somebody had it before him. And my brother Jacob is now, he gets to be the the steward of the land, but you know what? Someone's going to have it after him. You really are like a caretaker for a temporary period of time. The land has been along, around a lot longer than us, and it's going to be around a lot longer afterwards. We really have, it's, it's really, you can think of it as well as ours. We get to manage it for a while because our lives, they are. Just, it's just—it's this temporary thing, and that's, that's part of what this reminder is, is to see your life kind of in the right light that God has given you this time, and it's something that you, you do the, do what you can with what you have, But the truth is, the world has been around a long time before you. It's going to be around a long time after you. So it kind of puts you in a more humble position. But there's something else that James is reminding us of here. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. That ultimately, your life is not just about what you want to do today or tomorrow. But we ought to look and say, okay, what does God want for today? and for tomorrow. And you might just look at this and say, okay, this is really James reminding us, okay, well, God, he gets to be in charge because he's God. Yes, he is God, so he gets to be in charge. But it's also a reminder that God gets to be in charge because God is the source for life. Where does your life come from? Who is the one who decides that you get to be here tomorrow? the next day or afterwards? Who is the one who's going to guide things going forward? He's not just, it's not just he gets to be in charge because he's the boss. We want to look and see what does God want because God is the source, the guide, the provider for life. God is the one who designed life to work well and makes it work well. And so it makes sense that we should say, okay, well, then what does he want? Because if he's the source, he's the provider, he's the guider, well, we want to be in line with him. And it comes out a bit more when you get into verses 16 and 17. And this is, this is where in our lesson, having Genesis 1 to 3 in the back of your head, this is where all of a sudden something pops. That if you didn't have it in the back of your head, you would, it would be very easy to miss something. So in verses 16 and 17, it says, As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now, just a little clue. When you're reading God's word, if something is, is what's going to prompt you to think deeper about something? It's when a verse seems out of place. Because if it seems out of place, the verse is not out of place. Your thinking is out of place. There must be something deeper to think about, right? And what we're just talking about, okay, thinking about today or tomorrow, don't make your plans, what does God want? Also in verse 17 where it says, and anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins, it seems like an abrupt shift, doesn't it? Well, I thought we were just talking about planning. Why are we all of a sudden talking about if you fail to do what you're supposed to do? Ding, ding, look deeper. Okay, so that's one of your little indicators. But now here's something, two words that are held up, in opposition to each other. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. What was the tree called that they were not to eat from in the garden? The tree of knowledge of what? Good and evil. There's something here rooted in the garden. Also, and this is one that would be a little harder to just see with the English translation. This is where having pastor or trainer, someone who knows the Greek can help you, or help you bring it out. So the word brag, it has to do with empty talk. So like when you say something and it doesn't, it doesn't do anything, right? Think about the enemy in the tree who appeared as the serpent, right? Oh, he doesn't actually want what's best for you. If you eat this, you will be like God. And you're going to know good and evil. Which is just like the emptiest statement ever because one, they were already created in whose image? gods, they were already like God. And all the trees in the garden were already described as being good for food and pleasing to the eye. They had, he promised them nothing they did not already have, except for the knowledge of good and evil, except for maybe in a way of, well, he promised them a way of getting it that would be their own way instead of God's way. And that's really what's at the root of what takes place in Genesis, and that's what's showing up here again in our lesson, is are you going to look at the, the year ahead of you, the life ahead of you, and try to do it your way and focus on what you want to achieve or focus on what God wants for you to do this year? Is this year about your plans or is this year about what God wants for you? What does God want for you? What does God want this year to look like? This is why the book of James lists out all these different things. And this is where, if you're a note taker, you can start writing this down. There's a lot on the screen. I don't necessarily expect you to get all of it. I'll pop it up again here a little bit later. But I went through, this is all in James. I just went through James and noted, bullet point style, a bunch of the different stuff that James talks about that he wants us to have. So starting here, looking at our footsteps, he wants you to persevere this year with whatever's in front of you to persevere. And when you do so, with your next step, consider it joy when you face trials. And you're like, how? I don't know. That's another sermon. We're not going to get into that today. (laughs) But persevere, consider it joy. He wants you to believe and not doubt, especially when you ask for wisdom. James says, ask for wisdom when you do so. Believe you're going to get it. Which I love. I love that. Like that kind of boldness in prayer. Like James is like, hey, when you ask for wisdom from God ask without question that he's going to say yes. I love when you can pray prayers that you know that the answer is yes to. It's part of why I love praying. I like to take the promises of God and turn them into a prayer because you know the answer is yes. Like, okay, Lord, you promised that you're going to work this all for my good, so work it for my good. Amen. I know the answer is yes because he's already promised he will. Don't give, you know, don't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. Amen. I know the answer is yes because he almost He already promised it. Same kind of thing here with wisdom. Ask for it knowing the answer is yes. See, be quick to listen, be slow to speak and get angry. I should made it clarify. Be slow to speak and slow to get angry. Don't be slow to speak and get angry. <laughs> be slow to speak and be <laughs> slow to get angry. Yeah, just to clarify. <laughs> get rid of moral filth. Accept God's word. Do what the word says. Look after widows and orphans. Keep a rein on your tongue. He says a lot about your tongue, by the way, and being careful of what you say. Love your neighbor. Keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Don't show favoritism. Show your faith. Lead a life of good deeds that come from the humility of wisdom. Be humble. Resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Don't slander. And in a good reminder there in those verses that lead up to our sermon lesson, too, it kind of brought this out. There's that section about, like, may your, your, your joy turn to weeping. So that's all about repentance. So in other words, if you realize, like, you need to be aware of different ways that sometimes you don't do these. And when you do, humble yourself before God, lay your sins before him, so he can lift you up and assure you that you are forgiven and are right with him. This is what God wants for us. And these are the kind of things that our lesson is concerned that we're not going to do. Because remember verse 17, right? It says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Our lesson's concerned that we're going to miss out what God actually wants for us in the year before us, in the year ahead of us. And how would we miss out on what God wants us to actually do in the year before us? Let's go back to that first verse that sounded like just don't plan. The concern in this verse is not with planning. The concern is that you're going to get so caught up in what you want to do this year that you will miss what God really wants for you this year. We can make these big plans and get so focused on them that we can actually not see the steps in front of us that God really cares about and wants for us. I even actually had a reminder of this last night I was, uh, I saw something online that I saw uh, somebody, something someone posted, and I felt jealous and a little bit, I don't know, a mix of other things, because I think that person was doing something that I've wanted to do, and I knew right away that I did not want that feeling. I knew right away that was not coming from a good place, and I was like, God, why am I feeling like, this is dumb? Like, I, you know, like, you ever have that where, like, you know what you're feeling is dumb, but for some reason you feel it anyway? I was like, God, like, what's the, why do I have this feeling? And as I was meditating on this message today, I was thinking about, and I was reviewing James this morning. James specifically talks about don't have jealousy or selfish ambition. So James is actually, he's concerned about that that very thing I was feeling. And I realized, if I'm so caught up in the fact that I wanted to do it and when I am not the one doing it, the result is jealousy and envy. Because I was too focused on what my plan was. Instead of, okay, what does God really want? God wants me to focus on these other steps and whether I get to do my plan or not is not really what it comes down to. What comes down to is Take the next step of what God calls you to do. You know, be slow to look, be slow to speak and slow to get angry. Be humble, care for people, do those things. And the other stuff, but if you get too caught up in the other stuff, it actually leads us away from doing the very things God makes it very clear he wants for us to do. And if you're like me, you probably can find that a lot of times, there've been many times this last year, where we've been caught up in our other plans, like caught up in what I want to do today instead of asking, what does God want me to do today? And maybe we've missed then those opportunities to love people, to care for people, to be humble. We maybe become jealous, full of anger, maybe not so slow to speak, rather quick to get angry. And how often does it come from getting caught up in the wrong thing on the road before us? And it's just a reminder of how much we, you know, if we were left to ourselves, we would be going down the wrong road instead of embracing the road that God would have us walk on. You know, we would be going on a road away from God. But thankfully, whenever that happens, whenever we realize this, we go back to the cross. Or actually, today we're going to go first back, not just to the cross, but to what we read about in our gospel lesson. In our gospel lesson, we were reminded that eight days after Jesus was born, his parents took him in to be circumcised. And kids, that's just something special done to the primary boys that, 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 that sometimes is done. And not something to worry about, just a little thing that they would do, medical thing. And it was that day. The bigger thing, though, is that that day they would be named and be given that name. And that there would be the sacrifice done. And it's kind of cool to think about that today because day eight would be when? Tomorrow. Right? So day eight's tomorrow. We're thinking about eight days after Jesus was born. And that whole practice was, was about the fact that the firstborn son was consecrated to who? To God. Belongs to God. It was a reminder that their whole life comes from who? Comes from God. Who do you, who's your family come? Comes from who? Comes from God. Right away as they're following this, this ritual, this, this part of the law, it's a reminder that everything comes from God. And then one of the amazing things is that as they would consecrate their firstborn son to God, well, Jesus is whose son? Not just Mary's, and not just Joseph's stepson, but God's son. And so what does God do with this son, Jesus, who was consecrated to him? He, in turn, gives him to who? To us. And Jesus goes throughout his whole life, always trusting his father partnering with his Father, living a life being everything we were meant to be but aren't. He always lived wisely. Yeah, he spoke some abrupt words sometimes, but it was never because he was quick to anger. But sometimes he just spoke them as they were needed to be spoken. He was wisely every step, walk wisely every step, all the way to the cross, and he trusted his Father so much so that he would allow himself to die there, to absorb all the things you and I have done wrong, and then to rise again, to take us off a path that led us away from God, to put us back on a path that leads us forward with God. Jesus died, Jesus rose, through faith in him our sins are removed, your sins are forgiven, your guilt is paid for, and you are put back on this path where now you have life with God and you get to walk with God every step forward. The road before you, has been paved by Jesus, has been set up by Jesus. You have this life with God again. And so this year going forward, lay down, lay down the ways that you've got too caught up in your own plans. Remember that Jesus has paid for all of that and know that there is a fresh new road ahead of you. And as you think about the year before you, I encourage you, if you still have space in your worship folder, to add two things. Put my dreams and plans at the bottom. You can go and start there. And then put God's dreams and plans at the top. And here's what I love about all these other steps on the way there, is that it, it is totally liberating and empowering to focus on these other steps. Because as you think about the year before you, maybe you're like, I don't know, I don't have any big plans. Well, you know what, that's fine. Focus on these plans. Persevering, considering it joy, being quick to listen, asking for wisdom, all that stuff. Focus on that, and you will discover God's plans. If you do have big plans, that's great. The beauty of focusing on these other things is that as you step forward to them, you can discover God's plans. And they might actually line up with what you were dreaming they may actually be, and this is what the newsletter article is about, they may actually be way more. One of the things I encourage you, man, you're not even going to read the newsletter now. I'm telling you the whole article. But I don't care. That's fine. One of the things that I was reflecting on when I wrote that article is that I wonder sometimes if New Year's resolutions, or whatever we want to call them, because we don't technically make resolutions here, right? Because we're all doing this unofficial resolution thing. Anyway, maybe part of the reason why they fail so often is we make them too small, we make them, we, we just choose things that we think we can do in our own power. But we, we're all not that great at willpower because we're sinful people. But what if our resolutions, what if our year, year ahead plan was built on things that only God can do? You know, maybe we're making them too small. Maybe we need to look for God to do bigger than we can possibly ask or imagine. It's in Ephesians. God would invite us to do so. You know, so maybe God will do even more. Or when you make your dreams or plans, maybe God will do something that you did not want him to do it all. Or maybe people in your life will do things that crash and burn. And nonetheless, you can embrace what God has for you and not live in jealousy or disappointment because ultimately what matters more than your starting point of dreams and plans, what matters more are the steps you take to discover God's dreams and plans. So think about the year ahead, but then think about the steps God has for you and step forward in those things. And when you recognize that's maybe a spirit of jealousy, disappointment, whatever it is, always go back to the cross, lay him down, know that you're forgiven, know that Jesus has set you right with God, and you're back on the road, a road that leads on to eternity with him, a road now where you get to embrace wisdom, real wisdom, today live wisely today and then in 2024 and every day going forward and embrace what god has for you on the road before